Good morning, everybody. How are you all doing? All right. Good. Right, listen, before we start, I need you to do something for me, okay? I want you to come back with me to the 3rd of October, 2021, all right? Anyone know the significance of that date? Who knows? I don't know what me lad said, but who knows? Um, look, it was just our fifth Sunday here in Yarm Road Methodist Church. We were all wearing masks and looking a little bit confused due to the pandemic. And in front of you stood a much slimmer and fitter and marathon-ready Gavin, starting our sermon series in the book of Matthew, 3rd of October 2021. And can you remember what I warned you on that day? Can you remember? I said this wasn't going to be a short sermon series. I said this was going to be a long, epic, Lord of the Rings extended edition style <laughs> sermon series. I wasn't wrong, was I, hey? Here we are. Two years later almost, and I'm pleased to say we're at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Can I get an amen? <laughs> the, en- the end of Matthew's Gospel, we've done it, we've made it through. Some of you weren't in, the, in this country at that time. Some of you weren't part of this church. Our babies this morning weren't even born, most of them. But we have made it to the end of Matthew's Gospel. But before we get into the last passage today, um, I want to just think back to that date back in October 21. And the talk that I gave that day, I'm sure you all remember it word for word, but the talk that I gave that day was about the genealogy or the family tree of Jesus. It was looking at Jesus' relatives in Matthew chapter 1. And in that we had men and women, we had Jews and foreigners, we had good people and bad people, we had people you wouldn't expect to see in Jesus' family tree. In fact, I give a quote that morning from Martin Luther, which said, Christ is a kind of person who is not ashamed of sinners. In fact, he even puts them in his family tree. And what a wonderful thought. We started off this series with a real encouragement that we all have a part to play in the kingdom of God. And hopefully, as we've gone through this gospel message, if we've gone through the life of Jesus, you've continued to be encouraged by that fact. We've all got a part to play. There's a role for all of us in the kingdom of God. So let's see how that plays out in our final passage of this morning. We're in Matthew 28, and we're going from 16 to 20. Let's uh, read it together. So, then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Okay, so there we have one of the most famous passages in the entire Bible, isn't it? I'm sure most of you know it word for word, off by heart. It kind of runs through the DNA of us as Christians, doesn't it? Most of us know the Great Commission. But today, hopefully, I want to try and bring some new life to the familiar. All right, I want to try and bring some new uh, excitement and some new faith to this familiar passage. 
Because the good thing about being a Christian is that God can continue to speak to us through parts of the Bible, whether we're reading them for the first time or the 101st time, can he? There's always something new in the Bible. Why is that? Well, 2 Timothy 3 says that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Do you see that? All scripture, not just the New Testament or the Old Testament, not just the red bits that Jesus says, all scripture, whether you're reading it for the first time or the hundredth time, all scripture is useful. There's something in here for all of us. So don't switch off this morning because we're looking at a similar, a familiar verse, all right? There's going to be something in here for all of us. And this particular passage, Matthew 28, it encourages us as Christians to go out and share the good news. It encourages us to go and preach the gospel. And believe it or not, this can cause problems for us as Christians, can't it? I remember when I first became a Christian and I was determined to tell every single person I knew about Jesus. And I went completely mad for it. I was telling everyone. And I remember vividly my mum sitting me down and she said, look, Gavin, it's good that you've discovered this faith. It's, it's clearly doing good things in your life. But can you just tone it down a bit? Can you uh, keep it to yourself? It's a personal thing for you. Maybe you've heard that point of view before. See, people like to have Christians who never talk about their faith. Nicky Gumbel on Alpha, he calls it the Uncle Norman effect. I think I've got Uncle Norman on the screen behind us. Um, Uncle Norman, uh, Nicky Gumbel says everyone's got an Uncle Norman who is the perfect Christian. You see, Uncle Norman goes around doing good things. He lives a good life. He gives to charity. He looks after poor people. He's a nice person to be around. But Uncle Norman never talks about his faith. And that's why people love him. Uncle Norman lives out his Christian faith. You'll never hear him talking about Jesus. He's so inoffensive and he's so nice. We all want an Uncle Norman, right? Well, let me tell you, the problem with the Uncle Norman theory is that if we're never allowed to share our faith, if we're never allowed to talk about Jesus, how on earth did Uncle Norman become a Christian in the first place? (laughs) Of course, we all have to share our faith. And Jesus is making that clear in this passage, that we've got a part to play in his mission. We're called, each of us, to go out and make disciples uh, of all nations, every single one of us. Nelson Mandela famously said, it's not the kings and generals who make history, but the masses of the people. That's us. That's us. And if we look at evangelism in that way, if we look at sharing our faith in that way, we see that all of us can impact lives around us. All right? So let me just pick out three phrases from Jesus' little speech here that we can learn from. The first one is verse 18. Jesus says uh, straight away in, in verse 18, he says, all authority has been given to me. All right, all authority. Let's just pause there for a second. What does it mean that Jesus has got all authority? Well, to put it simply, it means that Jesus is Lord of all things. Yeah, Jesus is Lord of all things. He has authority over all things. Philippians 2, verse 9 onwards says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue acknowledge or every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's who Jesus is. That is God's plan. There is authority in the name of Jesus. He's the creator of all things. All things are made for him and through him. It's all for him. And when we look at sharing our faith through that lens, that changes something, doesn't it? See, let me just say, our passion for sharing our faith, all right, that springs up from our relationship with God. Look again at our passage from this morning, all right? It says that when they saw him, when the disciples saw him, what did they do? They worshipped him. All right, first and foremost, before Jesus gave them this command, before they were sent out on their mission, they worshipped him. Evangelism or sharing our faith, it springs from our worship to God. It comes from a place of being in a relationship with him. If we acknowledge who God is, if we worship him, if we come in line with his thinking, then the natural reaction is that we want to share our faith. That's a natural thing that comes from worship. And you know what? We can do that boldly because the Great Commission, sharing the gospel, that's not just a bright idea that Christians have come up with. That's God's plan for humanity. Just to say here, by the way, because I don't want any easy ways out this morning, just because evangelism springs up from worship and worshiping God, that doesn't give us an excuse to just be self-indulgent in our worship and not obedient to his calling, all right? Let me explain what I mean by that. Too many Christians uh, enjoy self-indulging in their worship to God. They enjoy singing and spiritual gifts and praising him and being in his presence I love all those things too as well, by the way. We have many of those things on Sunday mornings regularly. We love to be in God's presence, but it can't be a substitute for obedience, yeah? As Christians, we can't spend all of our time in church services being in God's presence because we enjoy it. It needs to lead to something. It can't be something that we do in isolation. We need both things. Similarly, we can't share our faith without worship, but be careful. We can't worship and not share our faith. Do you see that? We are people who are called to go. And listen, as I've said, we go in boldness because we don't go in our own power. Let me give you something radical here, okay? It's Jesus that saves and not us. Can you believe that? That's not radical at all, is it? It's Jesus that saves and not us. And this can be the encouragement that we need sometimes when people don't respond. When you invite your friend to church and they say no, when you give out that alpha invite and it gets scrambled up on the floor and you see it you know, in the office bin a few days later. That can be the encouragement that we need. We can confidently stand with weight lifted off our shoulders and say, actually, it's him who saves and not me. All authority is given to him and not from me. I've been obedient and I've done my part. That's all we can do. We've got to recognize that God has authority. And when we do that, I think it'll change how we share our faith. I really believe that. You see, when we recognise that it's not all about us, it just kind of, it makes things lighter for us, doesn't it? It lifts the pressure off us. The burden is less on us. You see, if I was to come in here this morning and say, Jubilee Church Teesside, 
us here, this church, we are responsible for the evangelization of the whole of the UK, all right? I want each of you to pray for a thousand people this week, all right? And I want them all to come to church next week. You'd look at me like I was crazy, wouldn't you? All right? That would be impossible to do. That would be impossible to do because um, uh, that's not how it is, all right? That would be unmanageable and scary. But with God having authority, it's not about what we can do. It's about what he can do. And it's about us reaching the people that we can reach, the people that we come into contact with. I wonder if you've ever heard that famous story about the starfish. I'm sure you have. It's a pretty famous one. Um, There was a man walking along a beach and he saw literally hundreds of starfish um, washed up on the shore. And he looks around and he thinks, I need to do something. These starfish are going to die out in in the sun. They need to go back into the water. So one by one, he starts picking up the starfish and chucking them back in the sea. And he picks up another one and chucks it back in the sea. And he he keeps picking up these starfish one by one and chucking them in the sea. And uh, a guy walks up to him and says, what on earth are you doing? There's too many starfish. You're never going to be able to make a difference to all these starfish. Stop what you're doing. And the gentleman picks up a starfish, chucks it back in the water, looks at him and says, well, I made a difference to that one, didn't I? All right. And that's how it is with us. When we recognize that God is in control, we can all make a difference to the people that we come into contact with. And if we're all mobilized to do that, we'll see a real difference made in the world. So all authority is the first phrase to focus on. The second phrase to focus on is that Jesus' words from verse 19. He says, therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, quick note straight away. We have the word therefore in here. So when we see the word therefore, we work out what it's therefore. You guys are still awake, that's good. What is it therefore? Well, what this, passage, what this little verse is saying is that, as we've already discussed, okay, the result of Jesus having all authority is that we go and make disciples, all right? It's not a statement made in isolation. It's saying the result of recognizing that Jesus is authority is that we will go. Jesus isn't saying just go. No, he's saying, I've got authority, therefore go. Those things are connected, All right, that's important to note straight away. Jesus is saying, I am Lord of all, and because of that, you should go and make disciples. Now, what does this mean? Well, essentially, Jesus is laying out the blueprint for our walk with God. Because as Christians, there needs to be a reproduction as we grow closer to God. We need to be passionate about leading others to Jesus. The result of us growing closer to Jesus is that we should be actively looking to bring others in too. That should be a natural thing. Let me just unpick this word disciple for us for a second. Disciple literally means apprentice of Jesus. Do you know that? Apprentice of Jesus And you know what an apprentice is? An apprentice is someone who learns on the job. We're learning on the job to be more like Jesus. Anyone here still learning? I know I am. Definitely. There's something active and changing about being a disciple. See, look at this. Jesus doesn't say, go out and make masters of faith. 
He doesn't say go out and make experts. No, he says go out and make disciples. Go out and make apprentices. And you know what? Sometimes we can have a little bit of confusion around the word disciple. In our heads sometimes, there are kind of different levels to Christianity. Like, we're all Christians, but the disciples, people who are disciples of Jesus, they're like the serious ones. You know, they're serious about their faith. They lead in the church, or they've been to Bible college, or they read the Bible every day. Like, I'm all right being a Christian, but I'm not quite ready to be a disciple yet. You've heard that point of view before, haven't you? Or you've heard people stand up and say, we've got lots of Christians in this church, but we need more disciples. We've all heard that message, haven't we? We've got Christians, but we need disciples. But I get the sentiment of that statement. I do. Of course I do. I get the sentiment. But I'm just warning you that we need to be careful that we don't get into the mindset that there are two levels of believer. Let me tell you, in the New Testament, the word disciple is used over 200 times. The word Christian is used just three times. The first time the word's uh, used is in the uh, book of Acts chapter 11 when it says the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Christian literally means little Christ. All right? And actually, what the New Testament is suggesting is that we are all disciples of Jesus. Being a little Christ is like the exception to the rule. The opposite of the way that we think. We're all apprentices of Jesus. All right? Woo, we enjoying this. I'm enjoying preaching it, that's good. <laughs> Listen, what's happening here is that Jesus is calling the disciples and he's switching their role completely, all right? See, all the way through Matthew's gospel to this point, Jesus has been a teacher. The disciples have been learning from him. And now Jesus is saying, okay, you guys have become the teachers. There's a switch here. The emphasis is changed. He's saying you're no longer being trained, you're now equipped to go. And listen, when we become Christians, all right, at that point we have got permission to go and lead other people to be in a relationship with Jesus. All right? We don't automatically become experts, but we do automatically become teachers. All right? We don't automatically become experts, but we do automatically become teachers. I remember when I was first a Christian, all right? I'd not been Christian very long and I heard this passage preached for the first time. All authority is being given, therefore go. And you know what? I remember it absolutely blew my mind. I was like, what? I've got a part to play in this? And I remember going back to my youth group and I was like, my, my, my kind of heart broke for them. I was like, these guys need to know Jesus like I know Jesus. I want these guys to be in a relationship with him. And I made it my uh, aim to disciple these guys. I didn't even know what that meant, by the way. Disciple them. Apparently, it meant texting them Bible verses every morning. <laughs> by the way, this is in the days before smartphones and touchscreens. Does anyone remember when you had to press the button like three or four times to get a letter? <laughs> Ooh, my, my thumbs were massive. They were like, I work out every morning. And there was no copy and paste or no group chats. It was like, bang, Bible passage, Bible passage, Bible passage. This is why my A-level results are so bad, because I spent all my days at college just texting Bible verses to my friends. And then after that, I started using my free periods to meet up with my friends and have milkshakes and tell them about God and ask them questions and find out where they were going on their walk with God. 
I had no idea what I was doing. I was kind of reading Bible passages for the first time, and I was like, guys, have you seen what this says? Because I was so excited about it. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says make disciples. It's about being available. It's about being constant. But most importantly, it's about sharing your passion with others. When you grasp what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus, you want to share that. Like I heard a story about a famous preacher called William Sangster, who's a, a Methodist preacher, and uh, he had this incurable disease which was affecting different parts of his body, all right? And they were starting to shut down bit by bit. And this guy was a great preacher, a great evangelist, a great teacher of the words, but towards the end of his life, as his illness got worse, he lost his ability to speak, all right, and his body was shutting down. In the end, he only had um, a movement in one arm so he could write these notes. And there was one Easter Sunday, just a few weeks before his death, and he managed to write a note, and this is what he said. He said, how terrible to wake up on Easter and have no voice to shout, he is risen. Far worse, though, is to wake up, have a voice, and not want to shout. Do you know what, something about that story got me. Because that's so true. We should want to share the good news. Do you know what, I'm praying for myself, Lord, please don't ever let me lose my passion. If I ever get to a time when I'm not leading that conversation towards the gospel, when I'm not keen to talk about my faith, then that's a horrible day. I never want that to happen. Okay, so Jesus is saying, go out and make disciples. But in the same breath, in the same sentence, in the same sentence, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Listen, I don't want to spend ages talking about baptism, but I think it's important to mention it. Um, because we've got baptisms coming up in a few weeks as well, a bit of free advertising doesn't hurt, does it? So let me just touch on baptism really quickly. Sometimes as Christians, we can see baptism as this like optional extra, right? Like you become a Christian and then you get this voucher that says one baptism, redeem whenever you're ready. And we can kind of see it as like this add-on thing. But actually, baptism is commanded as part of making disciples. It's not an optional add-on, it's part of making disciples. This doesn't mean that when you get baptised, you become a Christian. Baptism isn't the way you become a Christian. We know from the Bible that declaring Jesus is Lord and repenting is how you become a Christian. But baptism is something that always follows on. That's why we didn't baptise the babies this morning, as Simon said. We prayed for them. They're not yet Christians, but we pray that one day they will be. Baptism is a public declaration uh, and a physical representation of what God's already done spiritually in your life. All right, it can be described as like uh, a walk-through demonstration of what it means to become a Christian. You go into the water which shows you die into your old self. And you come back up, showing that your sins are washed away and that you're born again. Jubilee, baptism is a really important part of being a disciple. For many people, it's often a public moment where they say, yes, I'm nailing my colours to the mast and saying that I am a follower of Jesus. If you've never been baptised as a believer, if you've never done that, can I encourage you uh, to get baptised now next morning. Come and speak to me or one of the other leaders or someone that you know in the church and get baptised. It's an important part of being a believer. Brilliant. We are so pushed for time. 
But are we all all right? Still awake? Good, good, good. You better uh, phone your husbands and wives and turn the Sunday lunch off, all right? Because you're going to be late because we've got a bit more to go, all right? Let me tell you, let me end with one statement, okay? Uh, The last part of of the Great Commission, verse 20 says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right, that's how he ends. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is a, a, a vital uh, point that we can't miss, okay? As the Great Commission ends, we can't miss this point because there's encouragement here from Jesus for the second time. First of all, he said, all authority is mine. We've talked about that. But the second encouragement he gives is, I am with you always, all right? Isn't that God's grace that he encourages us twice? He calls us out to this amazing mission, but he says you're not on your own. All authority is mine, and I'm with you. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about the fact that Jesus goes with you in your day-to-day? Do you ever think about the fact that when you share your faith with others, he's right there with you? When you make a fool of yourself and that person you know, doesn't listen to you, he's right there with you. Jesus is saying at the end, as he's given him this, um, this commission, he's saying, don't miss me in all of this gain strength and encouragement from the fact that I am with you. He's with you. Not only does he carry the burden for you, but he walks alongside you as you go out into the world and make disciples. Because look, let's not get this wrong. This is an important message that we bring to the world. If people accept it, their sins are forgiven. If they don't, they're not. This is an important message, but we shouldn't feel pressured by that. We shouldn't feel pressured by that because he goes with us. Yes, we need to go out and share the good news, and we can do that in different ways. For some people, like our friend Andy May, that'll be standing on the street and preaching. But for the vast majority of us, it'll be speaking to those people who we're closest to, our friends and families, our neighbours, our work colleagues. But whoever it is and however we're sharing our faith, we need to remember that Jesus goes with us, yeah? He's with us as we do it. Just want to make one final note. I am nearly finished, so don't worry. But when it comes to the Great Commission, all right, when it comes to sharing our faith, we need to remember, all right, that it's all about Jesus. And when we remember it's all about Jesus, we also have to remember his great commandment to us, okay? So the Great Commission, go and make disciples. But what was his greatest commandment? We looked at it earlier in Matthew's Gospel. Anyone remember? Love God, love people, yeah? We can't have the Great Commission without the Great Commandment, all right? Love God and love people. You see, if we go out and share the good news without loving God, then we're giving a fake gospel that doesn't come from our own passion. And if we go out without loving people, evangelism can become cold and, um, and unfriendly and a little bit bash you on the head. We've all met people like that, right? We can't have the Great commission without the greatest commandment, love God and love people. Jubilee, as we go out, as we share our faith, as we take part in God's plan for humanity, we do that by loving people, first and foremost. I want to encourage you, we can all do that. We can all love people. See, this last line in the gospel, I am with you, it's not so much comfy reassurance for us but it's the necessary equipment that we need to go. We go because he is with us. And that is how the gospel ends. There you have it, Jesus' revolution. Jesus' great rescue plan 
for humanity. It starts by saying we've all got a part to play and it ends by saying go out and play your part. Look, I think we were going to worship, but we probably won't now, all right? But why don't we stand and we'll pray as we end this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this last almost two years studying your life, Lord. I thank you so much that as we've gone through, Lord, we've seen that you are alive, that you conquered the grave, that you defeated death, and the result of that is that you call us to go. I thank you so much, Lord, that you call each and every one of us, Lord, to be part of your rescue plan for humanity, Lord. And I pray that as we end this series, as we end this look at your life, Lord, would we go empowered, excited, and faith-filled to play our part in your mission? Would you help us to go out and love people, Lord, to love you first and foremost, but to love people as well as we share the gospel, Lord? And I pray, Lord, would we see fruit from this? Would we see many people come to know you as we're equipped to go and preach your words? Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for all that we've learned this last 18 months. And we end by worshipping the King of Kings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.